Alright, welcome to Hashtag General, the show about things. We need a better tagline. <laughs> or maybe that should just be the tagline. The show, show about, about things? things. I'm down with that. Yeah. So, I don't know Ignore how... me, I'm sharing the link to the show. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I don't know, did you have any, because daylight savings, it threw me off this morning, did it throw you off at all today? Well, it threw me off last night because, so last night we had a Apex LAN at my house. Nice. So, um, my dad's gotten super into Apex Legends. Uh, so we had a buddy of mine bring over his PC and sit up on our on our coffee table because uh, my mom is uh, off on a trip and Jenny and Samantha are also spending the night at her parents' house. And so it was like the perfect. So night it was to just a land. night for it was just a night for like me and my dad sitting there by my by ourselves going like, well, what are we gonna do tonight? And so I had my buddy bring over his computer and we played squads with Apex Legends until like six in the morning. But when midnight hit, I was like, cool, we got another, like, five hours of this. And then, like, it was one o'clock all of a sudden. I was like, oh, I completely <laughs> forgot that was a thing. I James had said something yesterday, and then this morning I woke, my, I just woke up, and I was like, am I getting sick or something? I must have been super tired. I slept in way late. And then I was like, wait. Yeah. <laughs> it's just daylight savings. Even waking up this morning, I was like, man, I'm so tired. And I was like, why... I've never been wake I, to come here for this show. I've never been this tired. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, I've lost an hour of my life. <laughs> um, no, that I just wondered if you had any issues because it was just was like Happy Mario Day, by the way, people. I completely yeah. forgot that was a thing. Oh, that's a thing. Yeah, it's, I feel it's like Mar- every day is it's an- Mar ten, so it's Mar- uh, Mario. Mario. Day. Yeah, yeah, I get that. I get that. So go to Nintendo's eShop. There's tons of games on sale, and they're super cool. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like everything has a day now. Like, every day is something day. I like it when they're creative. Like, Pi Day is really cool. That's coming up in four days. Like, when May the 4th started to become a thing, that was also really cool. Also, Jenny's birthday. So, she... Yeah. And the best thing about it was that Jenny's never seen Star Wars until I forced her to, maybe, like, five years ago. So, she, like, never got any of the jokes. (laughs) Now she gets the jokes? Now she gets the jokes and she loves them. She hated them before. (laughs) Well, anyway, my only final note is I had this happen on the subway this week while I was on my way to work. Okay. So I talked to you about this. I think it was something we talked about when we were like doing early tests of the show that weren't broadcast. Maybe. Were uh, about buskers on Metro where people will be sit there and they'll perform like play music yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it kind of it tends to drive me nuts because oftentimes they're either not great singers or they are very in your face about how they want money. This time it was like a group, like a group got on the subway and they were singing and they were actually really good. And instead of going around being like, hey, if you feel like giving us money, they're like, hey, we're this guy, we're, our band name is this, follow us on Instagram. That's awesome. <laughs> I was just like, I'm totally in on I'm that. I'm like, I'm totally get on this, but I'm like, wow, social media has become literally the new currency. It kind of is when you think about it. You make yeah. a lot of money. Because they were sitting there, they performed, they're like, yeah, I forget their name of the band, but they're like, yeah, follow us on Instagram. And I was just like, you know what? That's actually clever, but I'm sure in a couple months when everyone else is doing it, I'm going to just be like, turn up the music on my headphones. Yeah. But it was still just like one of those ones where I'm like, was, I wasn't prepped for it. I was right. not expecting them to be follow us on Instagram I, or like, because you expect it to be like, buy my mixtape or give me money and they're literally like no no here's our instagram handle (laughs) have i told you about in the streets have i told you this before so we were in vegas for uh evo this is like evo 2016 
And so, you know, when you walk around Vegas, there's just people that are selling their mixtape, like handing them out, trying to like get you to buy the mixtape. So we were, uh, we're staying at, I forget where we were staying. We were staying at Bally's because the tournament was at Bally's. So what we had friends staying at the Luxor. So we like made the trek through the strip through to go to Luxor, spent most of the time there. Then around three, four o'clock, we're trying to head back home, but a couple of people with us were drunk. So it was like the great ex- expedition to try to get them back to Bally. This is kind of a tr- like if you've yeah. been to Vegas and you've been to the strip, it's kind of a trek to get from like Luxor to Bally's because they're on two opposite ends of the strip. So as we're walking through, uh, one of them, Scourge, who's a top Sonic player in San Francisco, go follow him on Twitter. There's a there's a guy that stops him realizes that he's inebriated and tries to sell him his big tape and he goes how much money you got and so he pulls out his wallet and the guy just takes the money and then hands him a mixtape and then so i like pull him back i was like scared what happened he goes he's like drunk and he kind of just hands me the mixtape and it's a guy <laughs> named in the streets right? <laughs> oh my god right so i'm like oh, whatever in the streets fine whatever so uh Fast forward, there's a ton of other stuff that happened, but fast forward, we're in the car, we're on the way home, and uh, my buddy Ian is like, or puts in a CD, I don't know what it is, and um, and we're listening to it, I was like, dude, this is really good, this is like fire, like, what is this? And, and he, goes, he goes, in the streets, and I was like, what? <laughs> no way. And so next, the next, Every year since then, we've gone looking for In the Streets to see if he has the next album because that CD is fire. But I think he's I think he's gone forever, and I think he got picked up by someone, and he should because that guy is real good. So if you know In the Streets, tell him looking. <laughs> Please tweet at Chris. Tell him looking for tell him looking for hot tracks. <laughs> no, actually, now you've told us. I remember hearing that story from In you. the Streets. I'm telling you, man. All right, so and I, it's also in the streets. I apologize. There's no T H E in there. There's D A D A in the yeah. streets. All right, so to anyone who is watching, if anyone is watching, feel free to join the um, give a shout out on the topics in the comments. James will pass them along to me and Chris, so that way you can join the conversation. I have a sneeze that like won't leave me. It's very sad. Any comments about Chris's sneeze? Leave them in the comments. Press F to pay respects. <laughs> All right. So let's move on to games. So we're going to be talking about... Uh, this was on our agenda a couple of weeks ago, but you weren't able... Um, yeah. You had something come up last week. So, uh, so it hasn't been quite a month yet, but it's been at least a few weeks. But yeah. Activision Blizzard had a bunch of layoffs. Basically, like the, I think like the day after we had done a broadcast, we right. talked about potential layoffs, and they laid off... 800 people? Yeah, 800 people. And the for so for full disclosure, a lot of them are friends of mine, so I have a very biased view of this topic. Uh about I think the majority of those people for were esports related. It seemed teams. like from what I saw it was a lot of esports marketing. Yeah. Anything that wasn't like basically game development was left untouched, but anything auxiliary to that got some cuts right and a lot of it was esports um because it's a there's so there's a problem now with the gaming industry and esports sort of like the figuring out where esports fits into gaming budgets um a lot of a lot of play a lot of well a lot of organizations a lot of companies see esports as a marketing tactic um 
there's a lot that don't. There's a lot that treat it really as like another business and and really give it its due credit. But the problem that you're seeing now is that when it's treated as a marketing thing, it's very easy to cut, and it's very like if it isn't performing or if it isn't bringing in the numbers that you're wanting, then it's easy to just cut them. Yeah. The problem that you're running into now is that it's not just like if if you're not watching the commercial and they cut the commercial no one is no affected by the commercial being cut right like there are uh auxiliary organizations and brands and players and people that rely on that esports ecosystem to survive if that makes sense yeah it isn't affecting just the people who got laid off right so like the so for example like when they cut here's the storm right and they're like, here's the Storm Esports is done. Like, we're pretty much done with that. Like, we're killing official here's the Storm Esports. All of those here's the Storm players, managers, coaches, organizations that only run here's the Storm are all now dead. That's an extra 300 people that Blizzard doesn't directly affect, but indirectly kind of just killed careers. Right? Yeah. Um, and like it's not easy to transition from one esports to an- one esport to another. Like they're completely different games. For like someone that's a manager, or like a player manager, or a team manager, or like even in some cases an analyst. Can I have like a tissue or something? Yeah. My nose is running. Um. Um. Hold on. But yeah, like it 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 is just uh, a different sort of mentality of like it's not just a marketing thing. Thank you. Um, but it is it is very. It's something that, that a lot of companies aren't taking into account when they're thinking of budgeting. It's not just a budget. It is like this. this it's, is a, a, it's an ecosystem. It's not right. a line item. And when you invest in an eSport like that, you have to understand that like it is a, it's going to be a harder thing to cut. And yeah. You have to be like they have a responsibility to these people. Yeah, because I know my immediate hot take when I first saw the news break and they're explaining why they were doing the cuts they made. Like, there's a part of me that goes, okay, if you're thinking that you're changing your approach to things and someone's job is no longer, like, going to be a thing, it's right. like, I get it. I get you're going to cut the job. Yeah. But when you turn around and then I think they were going to issue stock buybacks. First off, they had one of the best quarters they've recorded. Yeah. Then they turn around. And C- I think COO got a bonus. They, they get like a, a lot of some money. got a bonus. They do stock buybacks, and the reason there's one of the schools of thought behind stock buybacks is it means that the board of the company has a bit more control and they are less uh, beholden to their stockholders because the company owns some stock. Right. But at the same time, what this does is when you have a bunch of C level executives whose primary form of payment is through stock, it increases the value of the stock they hold. They're basically bought themselves a raise right off and they turned around and fired a bunch of people which would also because wall street likes doing stuff where they think it's going to increase the bottom line it also increased the value of their stock it basically is these people bought themselves a gigantic raise by getting rid of a ton of people and it just scumbag right totally agree yeah it just um it felt very dirty right and and it's hard because Again, like I'm super biased, so it's a, it's a thing of uh, of 
like I'm super attached and emotional about it just because it's people that I've worked with, people that I know, people that I've sort of grown up with through this industry and like people that I would consider family got cut. And like it's hard for like I remember calling I called them in the morning and I was like, hey, whatever happens, like we're all here. We're going to be fine. You guys are talented. They're talented people and they were hardworking people. Um, not were. They are hardworking people. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> termination not, from Activision Blizzard yeah, is actually is actually death. is actually no, death. But no, it's not that. And and but like there are people ca- like crying in the parking lot, like ready, like before they walked into the building, like crying and hugging each other in the parking lot. Like that's not Blizzard working at Blizzard to a lot of people in the gaming industry is like a dream job, and like it's sad to see that that's changing. Uh, it's sad to see what the Activision acquisition did to them. Because, uh, I mean, the whole culture of that company Well, changing. it's like you said when Bungie got publishing rights to Destiny. Yeah. And they were going away from Activision. You're like, well, can this happen also to Blizzard? Yeah. And it's obvious now that that's not going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but because, I mean, Bl- Bungie's one thing. Blizzard is like the money maker. Yeah. And you can't. They're not going to want to get rid of the big money maker. Yeah. Or it would have to be a gigantic buyout. Like, Blizzard couldn't go solo like they couldn't do what Bungie's doing because their their company's worth way more they yeah. have to buy out a lot more basically i think if blizzard lost or if activision lost blizzard they would lose so much that it has to it isn't like they can just walk away from it and call it yeah um but i mean again like all of blizzard's company culture is changing all the original guard that like everyone fell in love with is pretty much all gone with mike morhan leaving in i think may he was leaving so like you know it, it's it's tough so it's a tough situation, but I mean, like a lot of people are finding their, you know, kind of footing on their feet, finding their footing, and like the the people that the the super talented, well known people, and some of the people that I know uh, that sort of have been around the industry for a long time, I'm not worried about. Like those people have found jobs or are finding jobs, and like are kind of happy to to take the new step and and are super talented again the people that are new to the industry that just got hired or just like kind of trying to move up in the world uh are the ones i'm worried about because those are the ones that kind of tend to get left behind in something like this right um so it's sad it's hard to see but i don't know if you guys can pick it up over the microphone but i think our upstairs neighbor is vacuuming (laughs) i can hear it i know you can hear it but i'm just i thought someone was killing a cat i was like all right (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that sounds like uh yeah no anything else you want to bring up about that any no i mean i think there's not much to say other than it sucks and it's yeah a situation so let's move on to uh james let's move on to star wars so uh i'm sure people who are watching if you are watching i don't know how many are watching <laughs> um Star Wars is big for me and Chris. I know Star Wars is big for some of the people who do tune in every once in a while. So, again, please feel free to chime in in the comments. James will pass along your thoughts to us. Because one of the big things we will be talking about is some of the news that came out of Galaxy's Edge. So, any questions or comments that you have already about it before we even start talking about it, feel free to share and James can throw them our way. But I think the first thing is it was a couple weeks ago. Again, I think right before Oscars, but we got the yeah. news that uh, episode nine has officially wrapped per, um, initial photography. So they're now in post. It's exciting. Yeah, because you and I were we were texting about this yesterday. Yeah, and I'm I'm curious because like we're not far from this movie. No, we're like and we're like less than nine months away from this. This movie. was something I I got in a Twitter. Con- 
I wasn't really a part of the Twitter conversation as much as I chimed in on Twitter. Yeah. But one of the things that I've been seeing a lot in on some of the Star Wars conversations is how it feels like no one has an idea of what's going to happen in this. Like, we, we have thoughts and ideas, but it isn't right. like... When we went into The Last Jedi, as much as my expectations were completely wrong... I still was like, oh, this is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And I felt fairly solid about that. Right. This time, I'm just like, I don't know. This might happen. I don't know. And that's kind of actually exciting that I really don't right. know and I think, what's going to happen. I think happen. this is something that the that J.J. Abrams did so kind of beautiful, or not J.J. Abrams, that uh, Ryan Johnson did so beautifully with Last Jedi is it feels like the ending of A New Hope where... Things kind of close circle. Not close circle because there's a lot more to come, but there's a thing of like, there's no cliffhanger. Yeah. There was no, like, like the movie just ended. Yeah. Like, you don't, there's no cliffhanger. There's no, like, setting up anything. Yeah, it, it was, was one just of those. like, very clean. It was, like, thinking back on it, I know, I think Abrams made a comment that the reason why they showed Ray arriving and talking to Luke at the end of Force Awakens was because he wanted to feature that in the film. Yeah. And now that we've gotten Last Jedi, part of me was one is wondering, like, wouldn't it have been better if Force Awakens ended with Ray and Chewie leaving to go to Luke and then we never see him? Right. Like, what if that entire aspect of the story had f- fully gone to Ryan and he didn't have to pick up literally where the shot ended in Force Awakens. Right. Like, that's something I've been wondering. I don't have a an answer on that. Like, I where I'm firmly yes or no is more of like, I wonder what it would have happened. Right. But it, it's exciting to think about how, again, it's just like, I know I'm going to go in and not have... Because just not sit there and feeling like I already know what the answers are. Like, right. I'm still trying to figure out what the questions are for this movie. Right. And, like, that was sort of the cool thing, too, about going into, like, what was great going into Force Awakens was the thing of, okay, I know what this movie is. I know what to expect. I know, sort of, I have an idea of what this movie's going to be. But there's so many beats in that movie the first time you watch it. And I think we've all seen it so many times by now that, like, we're kind of numb to it but like force awakens did so brilliantly not completely shifting like last year i did but like little twists on the star wars formula where you're like oh that's that's like slightly refreshing yeah um where like i love last jedi for like the complete opposite reasons where it's like this makes me super uncomfortable and i yeah. kind of like this um but- they ryan johnson was willing to tell a story that i never thought star wars was going to be willing to tell which is one where someone says look the jedi are kind of not great not, yeah <laughs> but like it's great i loved i love both of them for different reasons yeah and like that's really cool to have and this one i'm so like in the dark of i it, i'm really excited to see where it goes like but again it's abrams so i kind of have an idea because yeah abrams. i know because it's abrams i kind of like I, it's not I, a bad I, thing i'm going to enjoy it i feel like but I, I i feel like it kind of means some boxes will be che- checked right um but on that because we've never talked about this we might as well just kind of dive into it a bit but i intentionally i watched the first trailer for last jedi but i intentionally avoided the second trailer and i after that happened i'm like okay i'm not gonna do it again it wasn't worth like the just effort to avoid watching that trailer but now because i literally have no idea there's a part of me that's like 
do I want to do that again to where I go in completely? I don't think I'm going to be able to pull it off. I don't think it might even be worth going through a lot of effort because I go see way too many movies that it's going to just be a pain in the butt to right. try to avoid the trailer. But I'm wondering, would the it be ol- the only thing nice? you could do, The only thing that you could do that would be cool would be like, Complete darkness. Like you don't know the name of the movie, you don't know the poster of the movie, you don't know anything about it. And the I movie. know myself well enough to know I'm not gonna be able to pull yeah. that off. Like I'm just it's not gonna happen. Well just just like your job in general, like you just can't do that. No. Um, like But yeah, I'm it, it, or this show in general, there's no way in hell that I'm gonna be yeah, able to avoid yeah, yeah. that. Like my life has been set up way too much around stuff like that yeah. to where I can't just be like, oh, I'm going to be completely in the, It's like, it's going to be fr- top page of Reddit and I'm just going to be like, well, s- son of a bitch. Right. Um, but no, let's dive into like the real big news, which is Star Wars Galaxy's yes. Edge. Yes, I've been absorbing everything Galaxy's Edge. I, the moment you, because you shared with me um, the Gizmodo article. Yeah. Or io9 Gizmodo yeah. uh, article about it. And, and I a just, bunch of other companies afterwards have gone through and did kind of different Nerdist sim- has done some stuff EW has done some stuff StarWars.com even did some yeah. stuff and I just was reading it all and I shared the article you shared with me to like um, some of our friends like yeah. Kelly Charles and Jeff and immediately I was like can we go guys <laughs> like can I live here right and Jeff's comment was I think we lost Logan I'm like no I think you guys have just been borrowing me and we never <laughs> knew it like God, did you see the Hondo Animatronic, yeah, it's it's the same tech that they used for the uh, Navi animatronic that they use in uh, Animal Kingdom in Disney World. Yeah, I showed it because yesterday Caitlin and I uh, went to go see uh, Captain Marvel, right? And before we went, I'm like, Caitlin, you have to see this because I was talking a bit about Galaxy's Edge. I'm like, you need to see this animatronic, and I showed her. She hasn't watched Rebels or Clone Wars, so she doesn't know what the character is. And I'm like, yeah. so this I'm like, this is a known character from Star from Rebels and Clone Wars, yeah. who's named Hondo and not. Uh, and you, I'm like, just watch this. And like, of course, it showed like the thing where it's like all robot Hondo. Yeah. And she's like, okay, whatever. And then it went to no, this is Hondo with everything done. And right. she's like, holy shit, right? <laughs> like, she's like, that looks so fluid and good. I'm like, I know. It's like, it's not gonna be. Oh hey, here's like a figure that's all sti- yeah. like the way yeah, we yeah. imagine animatronic. It's like no, that looks well, like you haven't you haven't been to Disney World. No, I haven't. So been like in a long time, been a long time. So like if you look at the Buzz Lightyear figure at Disneyland, uh, Buzz the light Buzz Lightyear figure in Disneyland that's in the Buzz Lightyear Blaster Masters uh, ride. That one's the same tech. The Navi ride and the Avatar ride in Disney World is the same tech. Uh, there's a Stitch one that's also the same thing. Um, there's a Mr. Potato Head that's also the same in California Adventure in the uh, Toy Mania area. Um, so, like, this is tech that Disney's been doing for a long time. And so I'm assuming that these are going to be everywhere. Yeah, that's actually something... I'm still trying to find a source for it, but I know, I was listening to uh, there's a Star Wars podcast full of Sith, yeah. and they were doing their talk about sure. Galaxy's Edge, and one of the things they commented, and I I still need to verify this because I don't remember it in any of the articles I read, is that there are going to be multiple animatronic right. characters throughout Galaxy's Edge. That I heard the rumors of a Hera one. Really, yeah. I didn't hear that one. Uh-huh. That would be really cool. Yeah, I, I heard that she because like you would think. So for anyone who doesn't know, the 
the world that they're building for Galaxy's Edge is that it's like a spaceport town. Like, it's a spaceport city of, like... We can... Um, there's actually... They've been laying the groundwork for right. this. And it, some of the expanded a, material for a while. Like there's, a the, book, there's a book that has it in there. There's a book that it's coming out that's all about this town. It takes place on... It's Black Spire Outpost, and it takes right. place on a planet called Batu, which I think the first canon appearance of it was actually in the Thrawn Alliances right. book that came out last year. Something like that, um, yeah. So they've been laying the groundwork for this area for a while. So it's not just a town it's like literally a yeah so outpost. it's but like for for like just casual yeah thing like casual like quick hit it's it's just like a spaceport town it's just like mos eisley's spaceport where mm-hmm. it's just like um a, a mosh pit of different kind of creatures and animals and and whatever so i would assume in that case you would see a lot of the space pilot fairing characters that we have yeah um, sort of more so in this area than you would anywhere else. Um, so, like, Hondo makes sense. Hera makes sense. I think they, there was talk. I forget the character's name, but I think there's an Athorian that has been rumored to also get an animatronic. Right. They're apparently, like, the toy store. Like, in canon, it's run by a Toydarian. So there's some right. people going, are we going to get a Toydarian animatronic? Like, like these are, like, questions we don't have the answer to, and we probably won't get the answer until it opens. Right. Which... Side note, the week of my birthday, and of course I'm like, son, I can't go then. I'm like, it's gonna be crazy. It's like gonna be crazy, but I'm like, well, of like, course. it's funny. All the comments because there's great pictures and great shots of it, and then there's uh, everyone's so excited, and then there's always the person in the comment that goes, "Now imagine that, but you're shoulder to shoulder, <laughs> shoulder with, to shoulder, shoulder to shoulder with everyone in there." I'm okay with that <laughs> because it's like just reading about how people are like. Yeah, I was standing next to like a life-size Millennium Falcon. I'm just like, right. I, well, speaking of which, have did you read all the stuff on Smuggler's Run? I read okay. There, I read. Let's go with Smuggler's Run, and then let's talk Rise of the Resistance. Sure. Those are the two main rides that are going to be at Galaxy's Edge, and Smuggler's Run is Smuggler's Run to me is the more interesting one. Yes, Especially from not only the technical perspective, but also the you're in the Millennium Falcon. Right, but like not even just that. To me, it's like the. For lack of a better term, replayability of that right. ride, <laughs> because the thing that if you don't know, you ride it with six people, and each two two people have different positions. Yeah, so in you have the, the ship. pilot, the co-pilot, so Han and Chewie. Then there's two engineers and two gunners. Yeah, uh, and so depending on, I don't want to say performance, but depending on your actions in those positions, the ride changes and adjusts. And the crazy thing, too, is depending on how you perform in the game is going to impact how the um, cast members, the, right. the Disney crew, interact with you. Yeah. Like, they, they basically... I This is like Westworld light. Yes. Is how I've been feeling about Galaxy's Edge. It's not to, like, the basically take all the creepy stuff of Westworld... And I don't want to take have, all. I, I can't have sex with robots in this world. Yeah, take away the creepy aspects of Westworld and all the violence, and just have like the fun. I'm in this other world aspect, and you kind of have like right. Star Wars Westworld. Well, the other thing too is like I've heard that they've been they've been like staffing up for like a ye- over a year because they I have to find it. they have to find the people. So everyone in everyone that works in uh, Galaxy's Edge. So when you work at Disney World or Disneyland. Uh, as a crew member a lot of like if you're unless you're a face character right like face characters have specific 
jobs and roles because they are casted to be that character. Um, the majority of cast members in Disney World kind of work different zones and have different er- like wor- like you're kind of flexible. You can kind of work one day in Tomorrowland, one day in Adventureland. Like you don't really Frontierland, whatever you're going, you can work throughout the park. And yeah, it doesn't really matter. For Galaxy's Edge, when you hired for Galaxy's Edge, you are a Galaxy's Edge cast member. And you have your own... Like, I guess they let them into the costume room and just, like, let them make well, a character. Well, not only that, they I think they basically let them write their own backstories right. as well. So basically every cast member you will ever interact with in Galaxy's Edge, their character has a backstory that they themselves put together. Right. With the help of, like, Disney officials, Yeah, of, of course, course like, there's not... got to be an approval process on that. But that means... You're not gonna get generic so and so. Like each, it's basically like roll your D and D character, bring it, but instead it's gonna be Star Wars, and every person did that. Right. The only thing I think that could get annoying is again they're they're stirring they're they're really into like the idea of this is another world, this is a different thing. Yeah. So everything in there is like non branded different stuff. So like you can get a Coke. Or a pet. Actually, apparently, from what I read, they haven't determined whether or not you can get, like, soda. Well... It's apparently up in the air. Right. But they've already said if they do include it, they're not going to be not, like Coke. Right. So it's, you could get a Coke, but it, won't, but be it Coke. won't be called a Coke. So it's going to be irritating to, like, walk in there and be like, can I have a Coke? And they're like, do you mean this? Fizzy Brown? Right. And you're like, <laughs> and they're like, sure, whatever. But I could... And I could see it being fun for the first, maybe like two or three times it happens but after a while it's like can i have a steak and it's like do you mean chewy meats like no i don't i want a steak like please give me give me steak or if you or if you order something thinking it's one thing and it's completely not and you're like great fantastic oh but let's go back because we got sidetracked go back to smugglers run again right so one of the things i found interesting reading about it is they People, people who they took on the tour were trying to figure out how it worked because they couldn't figure out how, from what we can guess, is that there are multiple cockpits, but they've set it up in a way to where, as far as you can tell, as, I guess the best way to say it is as the player. Right. Because this really feels like an... It's an interactive a, it's game. It's an MMO. Right. Honestly, it's an MMO. Right. Um, that what they think happens is the cockpit rotates, so that way, as far as you are concerned, as the player, you are entering the Millennium Falcon. No other people besides the six people crew you are with right. will be on the Falcon with you. Right. So you'll be and in your waiting. Wait, your waiting. Your waiting area is is the, the dark board. Right. With the with the chessboard and with yeah. the with the cat with the the sofa and stuff like that. Like that is your waiting room. And then you go into the cockpit, and so you basically, as far as you're concerned, it is this completely seamless experience where you're not getting running into a bunch of other people also waiting around the chessboard to get on the line uh, get on the ride it's like it's just you right oh i do have to clarify that there is a a longer line like you just walk into the falcon there's a longer longer line and then they walk you into the falcon but apparently the longer line it takes place at hondo's 
uh, business. Right. And apparently it has... It's like a hangar. It's like a hangar, but it has wonderful views of the... Like, they designed the hangar to where the Falcon is kind of a centerpiece. Right. So where, while you're waiting in line, you're basically getting, like, a here's a 360 look at the Falcon right. all around. And with great window views. and wind, Yeah, like, great, they like, designed it to be, like, a photo op. Not right. just, like... At least that's what people are saying. It's right. just like a photo op. And very interactive, like, uh, screens and games and stuff like that. Like, yeah. so if you've ever been to Indiana Jones, uh, if you've read that, if you've rode that ride before, and, like, the infamously long line that it has, and it has, like, the mini, like, pull this lever, and you pull it, and you hear Indy screaming at the top of the thing. Like, they are like they have that kind of stuff of interactivity around that line. So you're not bored the Yeah, and they're like, time. everything I saw basically said any place they thought there would be a line, they designed it in a way to where it would be an experience itself. Right. Because they didn't want people to be like, oh, I spent all my day in line at Galaxy's Edge. Right. Um, but, no, I... I'm honestly... Because like, one thing I do like is you're right. I think the Millennium Falcon ride, uh, Smuggler's Run, does have replayability because you can just swap out roles. Right. But there's a part of me that's also very, like, I want to know. Like, I know there probably there's going to be nothing about here's how you, like, the sneaky tricks on flying the ship. I'm just like, I'm afraid I'm going to, like, fly the Falcon into, like, the ground. I don't think that'll like, be possible, but I mean, like, I, I know it's going to be like on rails on some right. level. But, but I mean, like, I'm I'm just happy where I can go back into that line and do a di- like we could go back as another crew and, and sit there. Like we could even with the same six people, we could go and ride that ride at least three times so everyone has a chance to do yeah. something different, and then again swap back and do it with different people and see like what that's like. I I think it'd be a good time. Yeah. So the other the other ride is. Uh, What's it? Rise of the Resistance? Rise of the... Rise of the, or Rise of the Resistance. Yeah. Or, yes. So, this one's interesting because of the runtime. Yeah, it's apparently, like, the longest ride Disney's ever made. It's a half hour. Yeah. That's a crazy long ride. And what's interesting to speak about <laughs> for, how... For reference, Indiana Jones, which is sort of a similar style of ride that they're doing here, is about seven minutes. Yeah. So this is long, people. But what I find interesting, first off, to go back to like the thing with uh, Smuggler's Run, where it's like you're waiting in a hangar, and there's obviously a lot of places where you can get really cool photos of the Falcon. They apparently did the same thing with Rise of the Resistance, where like the waiting area is like, at a Resistance staging ground, right. so you can easily take photos with like A-wings and X-wings and... Basically, they wanted the line to be just another part of the experience. Right. So, which is kind of needed when you have a ride that's a half hour long. I don't know how many, uh, how many kind of stations they're gonna have, or how many like, how many um, vehicles they're gonna have. But even if it's a large amount of vehicles, like I would, maybe, what's a large amount of vehicles? Maybe I think Indiana Jones has maybe eight or seven. So, if, say it has ten vehicles, and I think it sits. 15 from what I'm seeing in pictures and I think Indiana Jones also sits 15 there even even if that's running a hundred percent of the time and running ten like 150 people a run through at half hour of ride you're gonna be sitting in that line for a long time yeah like so they need stuff to like carry you over and like I think that investing in that waiting area is gonna be huge. and it seems like from a lot of what I've read it seems like they it isn't just invested in that area. They basically wanted to treat each line as if it was its own, like, 
own experience, like not necessarily separate, ride. separate to Galaxy's Edge, right? Yeah, yeah, like where it's not gonna necessarily be like, okay, I'm stuck in line waiting for a thing as much as you enjoy what's going on around you where the line itself brings its own unique experience. Right. The only thing that I could see being a problem is, again, like Smuggler's Run, the third time I'm on there, I don't care about this line anymore. I want to just get through. Um, And that's where it's going to get kind of irritating. What I find interesting, so first off, with Rise of the Rebellion, is you do get interactions with Finn, Poe, and Rey. Mm -hmm. So... Again, like to go into like the granule, like the 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 theme we would nerd out about and be like concerned about is we are basically have been all but told this takes place between um, episode eight and nine. So this is basically immediately after the last Jedi, Um, which is interesting because this ride or Galaxy's Edge opens up in the summer. They've already released release dates. Yeah, so it opens up before episode nine comes out. Which means I have to go before episode nine comes out. Um, <laughs> or you just need to go on YouTube and watch a a ride through of the ride. No, no, I need to go <laughs> on the ride. I what's this YouTube nonsense? Um, no, and so you interact with their appearance by them. There's also an appearance by Kylo Ren. Yeah. Um, they. For, I've read that Disney was apparently working on tech to where when you are shot at by blaster fire, they actually have figured out a way to imitate blaster fire so it isn't just like oh look at the cheapo little glowing lights right. it looks like actual blaster fire right which who knows how that works or if it's actually effective but I'm i would just assume like, it's maybe the same tech that they used for the 3ds where it's it's a uh, like lensless 3d yeah um it could be something like that I don't know. I'm just, I'm looking forward to seeing how it works. <laughs> but yeah, it's a 30 minute ride. You leave Batu, you go. That's a long time, man. Yeah, you are, at one point, you're on a Star Destroyer. You yeah. are then. I. It's one of those things where I don't see it being like Smuggler's Run where you want to do it multiple times. I think it's a one and done. I think it's a one and done. It or might at least be one a trip. One done. a trip. Yeah. Um, but. Just, that's a long time. That's a long ride, but it's still like. Just the what we're hearing about the tech or the fact that they build right. like life size um, ATATs, like yeah. the ride itself is going to be an experience worth taking. It's just not necessarily well. The the hangar is gigantic, so like yeah. for anyone that doesn't know, you can go back and look at the, the drone footage, drone yeah. footage from like uh, there's people that have been ca- like kind of cataloging this the building of Galaxy's Edge throughout the entire duration of the of the I think three years it's been yeah. so far. And so basically what it is, it's where, if if you haven't been following this at all, it's where Toontown used to be. Rip Toontown. Toontown's gone. So it's in that back left-hand side of Disneyland. So uh, it was kind of funny watching the drone footage because it was like one month, there's like gigantic posts that go yeah, and, up. And everyone's like, what are those? And then all of a sudden, then the, the trapezoid goes on top and everyone's like, oh, oh my God, it's amazing. Right? Yeah. And then, so everyone freaked out, and then then they built the walls in the full-on enclosure, and you realize, like, that building is gigantic. What is in there? Uh, And apparently that's not even the main, that's like the main building, I guess, where the big battle takes place. But that's not the only building. That's not the only building on the ride. That you go through, yeah. Like, basically, from, it's not just the longest, from my understanding, it's not just the longest ride in terms of time that Disney's put together, but it's the longest ride that Disney's put together in terms of length as well. Right, and I'm curious to see how they structure it, because obviously they can't do it, like, it can't be a straight track, right? So Mm -hmm. it has to, 
I would assume it takes sort of the same Indiana Jones style. And that's why I keep call, I, I keep comparing it to Indiana Jones, right? Because the only way they can do it is interior track where it goes up and under itself. So that there's different sequences under the floors or on top of different floors. So it's actually a three-floor ride that you're kind of going through different six sections of at different times. And then when you go through them at different angles, it hides stuff that you wouldn't see before. Um, which is the only way that this ride makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so I'm, I'm assuming that's what's happening here. Yeah, there's... A whole bunch of just basically, I don't want to say trickery, but they basically had to think out every single step of the process. Right. Which is true of most Disney rides because yeah. Disney's nuts and has Imagineers are crazy people. But no, it's like the more I write about it, the more I was like, can I go now? Right. But like then also, those are just the rides. There's all the shops. Right. All the food. Dude, the one that freaked me out. So like everyone... I think everyone's done the build a lightsaber thing at like either Disney Park or like downtown Disney or I think they do it they've done it other places before where it's you build that plastic lightsaber where uh I think everyone's seen it. There's like a there's a large pla like I don't know what you call it, like a like a kiosk that has bins in it and there's like here's Here's like a hand. Here's like the the handle. The handle. Though. Here's the here's the ta- here's like the the pommel. Here's the blades. Here's whatever. Here's your sound. Whatever it is, right? And it makes those big chunky lightsabers that we all had as kids, right? Where yeah. You hit the button and it lights up and it goes and then you flick it out and the thing comes out, right? The crazy part about Galaxy's Edge is, of course, they have that because why would you why not? wouldn't you? Right. But the fact that they also figured out a canon explanation for why it would exist. No, that's not what. Do you not read the part? No, I've read the rumor, like, it hasn't been confirmed about the lightsabers. No, this is our... Oh, you don't even know. The So everyone has... So they have that thing for $30, right? Yeah. They also have an experience where you go into a shop and a dude walks you through and you build an actual lightsaber, like like the ones that I make where it's soldered and, like... Con- Wait, I, I've... Because here's the rumor <laughs> I've heard. Like, it isn't confirm that they're going to do like ultra saber level quality but oh, i have that confirmed you have that confirmed there's like there's like reports that like people had seen the shop and like walked in there and this- there's because there was a patent that was floating around reddit that yeah. disney had in terms of that was literally about lightsaber construction as a toy yes they've evidently figured out a way to make it no, like the idea, because like I have one somewhere, yeah. where it's like the plastic, and it's like each plastic segment like will right. extend out. But then the trick has been now that there's like swappable blades, where you can put in like the full-on blade, or you can remove the blade. Right. Apparently, they've figured out a tech to where you can literally hit the button, and it actually will unfold all the way out as one piece, and then fold back in. Oh, that is the rumor cool. I've heard is that it's not going to just be ultra saber level quality. It is they have new tech in terms of the blade to where it looks and works better, and it's still plastic. Yeah. So I've heard I've I've I haven't heard that one. That's super cool though. Yeah. But the one that freaked me out was it it was a so if you've been to Universal Studios for the Harry Potter world where they have that, like, wand ceremony thing where they, they like, take it all Vander's shop or whatever and they, like, pick out the wand for you. Or the wand chooses the wizard, right? And they have the whole ceremony or whatever and they do the whole thing. And it's, like, a it's a ride experience yeah. because you're, you're, you're waiting in the line and then they take you through the thing and then, like, you, you test wands or whatever. You figure it out and then you get your wand at the end. 
it's that kind of an experience, but you build a lightsaber, lightsaber. and it's and and it's an ultra saber quality like metal, like soldered full soundboard, uh, LED like combat ready blade, like the like a full like PVC pipe blade, the solid blade that you can get, and I think the cost that they have average is like a hundred and fifty, hundred and seventy. Like you're describing this to me, and I'm just like. I don't think I'm saving enough money for right. my trip. <laughs> I mean, honestly, for this trip, I would say, like, for a regular Disneyland trip, I would say take, like, two, $300. But, like, for this, I would say maybe take, like, $500, $700. Because, like, yeah. you just don't know what's there, right? You don't know, like, what you're going to walk into and be like, they have a, f- they- I could get a smuggler's outfit here. I could look like Han Solo. Yeah, no, like, some of the clothing they showed off. Like, I only saw one photo of clothing you could buy it. I was just like. Yeah. Son of a bitch. Right. Like, it's insane. It's insanity. But, and I I love it so much. I know. I really do. I I can't wait. Like, because my dilemma has been, I was, like, looking at pass pricing. Right. And I was like, oh, I'll just go, I'll be cheap. I don't want to buy, like, the full annual pass. I'll be cheap. But I know I'm going to want to go at least two days so I can experience everything in Galaxy's Edge. Well, by the time you buy two day passes to Disneyland, you basically have almost bought an annual pass, an annual yeah. pass for Southern California. Like, that is yeah, only available to Southern pass. California. Yeah, yeah, the SoCal Pass. The problem is the SoCal Pass is only works, like, Mondays through Thursdays yeah. during the off-season, which is fine unless you work Monday to Friday, 9 to 5 work. Then it's immediately like, well, I need to go up a pass. So I'm like, well... What if I go up past? And I was just like... That's where it gets expensive. That's where it gets expensive. And I was just like, oh, God. I know if I bought one of those passes, I would totally go enough to make it worthwhile. I just don't want to spend the money. But I kind of do. It's going to be incredible. And, like, like, the thing is, too, as someone that goes to... Like, that loves Disneyland pretty, like, a lot. uh, Galaxy's Edge is going to be great. And it's gonna be incredible, but remember, you have the rest of Disneyland too. There's a yeah. lot to do there. Um, there's a lot to go, and like, if you had a hard week, or if you, you just kind of like work all well, that's week, exactly like, going for a my... day, going for a day, and like going for a couple hours. If you have an annual pass, going for a couple hours. That like, was kind of my thought. Was it was like you know it what? literally could be just something I do every once in a while. Yeah. And it's like I could see myself using it. I just don't want to spend like the I think it's eight hundred or nine hundred dollars yeah. to get a pass where I can go on weekends. And I was just like, oh, that's a lot of money. It's a lot to drop it once, but like yeah. it's to- it would be totally worth it for you just to like drive down to Anaheim for. Like, head down in the morning and then maybe come back at, like, 3. Plus, I, I know day, enough right? people like kind of... who have the annual pass right. that can go on weekends to where it isn't like I could go alone. Could go alone. Like, I could easily go with other people. But it right. still was just like... It's just a cool place to hang out. Yeah. And like, you know, I, I, had a, I had a teacher once that uh, had an annual pass and would go down there to just, like, ride a ride and, like, read a book. And, you know, whatever. like, just kind of yeah. sit in that world. It's kind of fun. No, and I think that's... That's part of the reason why I'm really excited for Galaxy's Edge is it's like, I know as like a kid, the idea of being able to go to like a uh, Star Wars, go to just not just go to a like to be in In Star Star Wars Wars was kind of always the dream. Right. Like, I don't know how I'm going to react once I get in there. Well, so I am totally just probably going to be like, I don't want to be someone have a meltdown, but I'm probably going to be a blubbering mess for a couple minutes. I mean, it's going to be nuts. And the the crazy thing, too, about it is, like, I love Star Wars. It's awesome. But, like, if you're picking fandoms, like, I'm, like, a Marvel kid, right? So yeah. I'm a comic book kid, I'm a Marvel kid. And so the rumor is that after Galaxy's Edge is, like, up and running and ready it's to go, Marvel's it was, like, Marvel's next. next. Yeah, and that's like, the rumor. 
I'm crazy excited because they've already started doing stuff with Guardians. They've they've already started doing stuff with a little bit of Avengers stuff in uh, California Adventures. So I'm waiting to see what they do there. Um, and I'm super pumped. I'm super excited. Like apparently they're looking to buy more land in Anaheim. Yeah. And so it, like, well, like I think the rumor I heard is not only are they looking for more land, it's not only for the Marvel land, but the idea of expanding. Yeah, Star Wars as well. Like they are. Well, dude, to feel Star like Wars is it. huge. So, yeah. like for anyone that doesn't know, if you've been to Disneyland, you know what I'm talking about. If you look at uh, the drone footage of, if you look at the drone footage from the Galaxy's Edge shots, right, you can see the corner. So again, it's that back left hand corner of Disneyland, right? So it's right behind Tom Sawyer's Island and behind the lake. So. In the shot, you can see the picture of Thunder Mountain and the Thunder Mountain train in the background. And that thing that it's a huge ride, by the way, and like a big part of like that back half of Disneyland. That thing looks small in the pictures of the drone footage. Yeah. Okay. So you can imagine how massive that land in. And it's funny because. I always remember Toontown being kind of like a shitty small place because like Toontown is one of the oldest areas of Disneyland that just never got a refresh. And it's one of the most more kind of iconic classic places to go. But it was so old and so like everyone knew Toontown that it just seemed very small. And a lot of the rides in Toontown were internal and like built on older tech. So a lot of the tech are like bigger, bulkier things for like a lot less. Yeah. Uh, value or like spatial value so tearing all of that down it it's amazing how much space was unused in toontown also didn't they remove a parking lot yeah they removed a parking lot towards the back of disneyland it was like an employee parking lot that they removed um but still like that that area is gigantic and as much as like as much as i'm concerned about the the ride like the uh the traffic walking through there they are adjusting the path between adventureland to get up there and the one through Fantasyland to get up there and um in terms of traffic i've also there's been it's not been quite confirmed but a lot of the stuff i've been hearing has been that disney has is going to artificially cap how many people can be in galaxy's edge at any point how i Apparently, it's just forget how it was gonna work, but it was like, like, hey, if you leave now, we'll give you fast passes. To any it other wasn't ride like that where they were gonna like kick people out, but I think what they're doing is you have to like you're gonna be timed when you have access to it what? based off when you arrive at the park. Weird, or or something like that's not been confirmed, but one of the rumors is in order to make sure that it's not a mad rush. It is gonna well, be a mad it's, rush. Because it's going to be a mad rush, but to try to alleviate it is you would go to like someplace at the entry of the park to be like, We'd like to go to Galaxy's Edge, and then they'll be like, Oh, you can enter Your the flight p- passes are here. You're, yeah, you're you are because they have like you enter in through either the Imperial Gate or the uh Rebellion Gate. The Rebellion Gate. And apparently they have some way of making sure your pass is authorized, or at least this is the rumor. The idea is, if you don't have access till ten o'clock, you won't be able to get in right. until ten o'clock. But Weird. they aren't going to kick anyone out. But that way, they can just alleviate, like, have control the flow into right. Galaxy's right, Edge, right. which will help alleviate the problem. Sure, I could see that. And uh, 
That kind of makes sense because Disney's been kind of leaning on its pass system or its its ticket system for a, a couple of years now. They just redid the Fast Pass system where uh, you no longer have to uh, insert passes to get Fast Pass. So, like, again, if no one's been to Disneyland, you, the way you get Fast Passes is you enter your ticket into the Fast Pass um, kiosk or like their whatever thing, and it pushes out a Fast Pass of like, here's your time for your. Here's the time for your whatever ride. And so then you have that to give to the cast member. And then your ticket still becomes your like main thing to get those fast passes. Now they have the new ones where you tap your ticket and then it, it registers that fast pass to your ticket. And then the crew member can scan your ticket at the door instead of having a physical yeah. ticket to give them. Um, so, yeah, that makes sense that, like, it would just be attached to your ticket as a, at a time, like a fast pass, right? So it just makes more sense that, like, that's the tech that they're investing yeah, in. Yeah, and then the, the other thing I've heard is that Disney has already confirmed that they don't necessarily have concrete plans, but that the idea is as Star Wars continues, because it's always going to be evolving, sure. they don't want this park to always be stuck between 8 and 9, Um that they have ideas for the future of the park. So that, that means that means it's one of the reasons where it's like, okay, I need to go before episode nine comes out. It's because, well, if this takes place in between them and I'm the kind of person who wants to try to know everything, yeah. like I'm going to want to go before the movie. But this also means that there's going to be a repeatability of it beyond just what's available now. Right. Um, but... And that's something that a lot of Disneyland lacks too because a lot of their stuff is pretty stagnant and pretty like... I know Disneyland and like it's kind of disappointing that I know Disneyland so well because I can just kind of walk that park like the back of my hand but having and I know like there's a lot of people that can do that once you start yeah. going a couple times like you know exactly where you're going like your strategy of going there and like I mean I can't do it but I know plenty of people who have like yeah. a game day strategy that they use like every time they go to the park cuz they go I there do too. Like you, all the time yeah I I, ha- I I don't even go all the time. I go maybe once a year, and I know exactly where I'm going and, like, what I'm doing. And, like, again, Jenny didn't grow up going to Disneyland, but she's been with me enough now that she knows exactly the kind of times to hit places and where to go and, like, things to do in a, in a correct order where you're going to have efficiency. But, like, having something evolving, like, Galaxy's Edge is going to be so refreshing to have. Yeah, like, it just, like... Because I think they know if they... Stuck it in this time, like at this point in time, it will get stagnant. It would become stagnant, and they don't want that. They want this to be a thing that people want to come back to. Right. Um, but I think the final thing on Galaxy's Edge that we haven't touched on yet is the app. Yeah. Like it's so. If you don't know, Disney has an app specifically for their park that you can use when you're there. And then the moment you enter Galaxy's Edge, so they're probably doing something with either like low level Bluetooth or. Um, not just location data from your phone, but basically the idea is once you go into Galaxy's Edge, it becomes like a like kind of like how they do like a second screen experience yeah. when you are like doing a second screen experience with a TV show. They're doing that in the app to where it will transfer and transform your phone into basically a Star Wars right uh, data pad. 
and you can do things like it will prompt you to be able to do things inside the park. It has like I've heard that it's even gonna have like an arabesque translator to where if you're like, oh, what's it say in the Star Wars script language? You can hold your phone up and it will translate what's up there right. on that screen. It will also be like you can get messages from Hondo about work you're doing and like you can basically they wanted your phone to be part of the experience of the park. Right. Not just like What's the line like here? It's like literally... Although that information will still be there, so don't oh, yeah, worry about it. Yeah, it will still be there. But I think it's really cool that they were like, no, let's make the device part of the park. Right. It's... The... I can't wait. Like, it's... Oh, yeah. They, they've definitely put in a lot of work and a lot of time went into this, and I'm, I'm super excited to see where it goes. Yeah, it's... I'm definitely not going opening. That's just asking for hell. They've already... Basically, Disney's already placed restrictions. Yeah, on that day. On, like, pass holders, I think, to where you have to, like, reserve a spot for mm-hmm. the first three or four weeks. Yeah, I think after... I think I would give it till... Because it comes out in the summer. I'd maybe give it till December or even, like, January of next year of, yeah. like... Oh, it's... They've gotten probably the kinks out. They understand what how this runs, like... Yeah, I'm thinking, personally, I'm going to go September, October, just because I do want to go before the movie. But at the same time, that's, I think, the one point where I'm guessing, since everyone's in school, or has started school again, that's the one point where I might be able to actually go and have it not be a complete zoo. You'd have to go during a weekday. Yeah. Weekday, and then, yeah, you would have to go before Thanksgiving, too, before all the holiday season. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm trying to figure that out, but it's just like, the more I hear about it, the more I'm just like, I can't wait to go it's oh it's gonna be great like maybe we'll make a day of it maybe yeah we'll make a date love date logan sounds great bae um <laughs> so yeah i i can't wait for galaxy's edge but let's let's move on do you want to do a tv or movies uh i don't know wherever you'd like to go all right let's go to tv just because that's where it is on the note sure james you ready yeah, yeah. I think he too has the sniffles. I could hear him going back and forth. I don't know what happened, man. I like I was fine all day, and I walk into this house, and you guys get me sick. Well, it's like, you, how's well, the how's the cold going? By the way, you had a cold. Like, oh, I, it's a tr- it hasn't been a cold. It's actually just been allergies. I've been taking Claritin like constantly for the, the past pollen? few weeks. Is there pollen in this house, crazy mm. amount of pollen. Yeah, I don't know, but it's. I know a couple people were sick at the office over the week. It's just like something's going around, but. Oof. Yeah. Oof. No, I've just, like, I forgot to take the Claritin one day. <laughs> and just immediately by, like, 2 Your o'clock. Your face swelled up? No, my face didn't swell, but, like, 2 o'clock, I was just like, why am I just so exhausted and just, like, not in it? And I'm like, I didn't take the Claritin. <laughs> uh, but anyway, in terms of TV, the big news, if you guys want to join in, is Lord of the Rings. We finally have some concrete... News. I want to say for like really the first time beyond Amazon bought the rights until now it's all been Amazon bought the rights and they're doing this we think right I and mean, we can finally remove the we think right from it um, they have confirmed that the first Lord of the Rings series is going to take place in the second age of Middle Earth for those of you who aren't aware what this means is most likely there are two two big stories that they can tell. Um, first off is the so if you're familiar with the films, Aragorn is said to be like a descendant of Numenor. 
you have the big story of Numenor where it becomes corrupted by Sauron and his teaching that they basically declare war on the gods and the earth gets bent. And then the other story they have is the forging of the rings themselves. And I think that's the story they're going to be telling because the hints they had been giving with the maps had was literally the poem, like three rings for the Bible. And so what I think we're going to see is the story of the last descendant of Fenor, who is, a big figure in the first age and in the Silmarillion. Right. This man, Celebrimbor, is a person who forges the elven reigns and had been taught by Sauron how to make all the other reigns. It's, I think it's interesting. It's because to go into like the business side of things, I'm still not sure exactly what rights Amazon has. Sure. Like, to get into some of the nitty gritty is. The Lord of the Rings rights were sold by J.R.R. Tolkien himself back before he died to a producer called Saul Zaints. Mm-hmm. Saul Zaints is, um, runs Middle Earth Enterprises, or he does business under Middle Earth Enterprises. And so when New Line Cinema had and Peter Jackson had done the Lord of the Rings TV show, or TV show, done the Lord of the Rings movies, they had been licensed by Saul Zaints. The animated movies that had happened in the 70s and 80s were also licensed under Saul Zaints. The video games now, like Lord of the Rings Online, are also licensed to Saul Zaints. So, as far as I am concerned, am aware, first off, there's a difference between TV and film rights. Yes. But I don't know if there's a difference in TV and film rights with Lord of the Rings. So, I don't know if Saul Zaints, because if he's licensing the video games, I would imagine... They have full reign. That he has full reign, and that includes television rights. Right. I don't think, from what I remember, I don't think Tolkien's uh, original deal with him differentiated media type. Yeah. So I think he does have full reign over anything and all things Lord of the Rings. But it's only Lord of the Rings. Right. He, um, I don't think he had rights to The Hobbit, or if he did have rights to The Hobbit, there's some deal where MGM has some rights to The Hobbit right. as well. So the which reason would, which, which would made the original Hob- the the Peter Jackson Hobbit films complicated in terms of rights. because it added another level of bureaucracy, right. um, because MGM was going bankrupt right. and needed money fast. Right. But the reason why I am wondering where the rights are for Amazon is that I haven't seen anything saying Saul Zaints um, Middle Earth Enterprises are involved in this, right. or if they are involved, it's through like. Sub companies. Sub companies, because I keep hearing people keep saying that Warner Brothers is involved in some capacity, but I've seen that in Deadline and other places, but it always, to me, I've never seen anything concrete concrete where I'm comfortable saying that they're working on it as much as I think everyone's assuming they're working on it because we know that Amazon was talking to them about getting the rights to having it be tied into the Lord of the Rings films, which is a whole other can of worms that I kind of don't agree with. It seems like it's a good marketing decision, but not sure. necessarily a good storytelling decision to tie it into the Lord of the Rings films. But they will. I think they will. I, I mean, and that's why I kind of agree with you, too, that like the story they're going to tell is the one of the of forging the rings and like, yeah. sort of that, using that as a basis. Because I think even if, even if they don't tie in, right? Even if they don't... Uh, like officially link or are canon to the films they want to link them as closely as possible for the viewer because they know that's how a lot of people are going to be approaching this it's going to be coming from people who never read the books 
or any of the ancillary materials. They're all right. people who are going to be coming from the movie. So it makes it makes sense to tie it right, into them. Right, right. As much as there's a part of me that still is, because we have multiple adaptations. Like, I recently re-listened to the BBC radio drama of The Lord of the Rings. It was, it's been a couple months since I did it. Sure. Where, interesting, Ian Holm, who everyone knows as Bilbo, was Frodo. Right. Um, in the radio drama. But there was there's that, there's the animated cartoons from the 70s and 80s. And I was like, there's, I would even say Lord of the Rings Online is also another example of another group taking an approach of an adaptation because that's not based on the movies at all. Um, it's just based purely off the books. Right. To where I feel like there's a space where they could have gone back and been like, we're remaking The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings, but I also understand why they'd be hesitant to do it. Right. But... Do, and And... As much as like I'm excited for this news and to finally have a thing, yeah. I'm a little disappointed because I did think I had we had this. We, I, I think we talked about this. We I the idea I wanted was I wanted a Tom Bombadil story where all it is is because anyone doesn't know Tom Bombadil is literally like he's an enigma. He's he's <laughs> he's like Middle Earth. I don't want to say God because he didn't create anything, but like he's just kind of there. We don't know. Like basically, he's like the omniscient, right? Like it's it was, to go really into it with Tom Bombadil. No one can agree on what Tom Bombadil is because even Tolkien himself is like he's an enigma. He's kind of just there. Yeah. So people think that he's just like this weird left like to get really deep into the lore. They think he's just this weird leftover bit that never got corrected, right? Or like, noticed, or or Tom Pom, Tom Bombadil. I've always thought is like he's, he's fir- he, he is Tolkien in this world of like he knows everything. He is everything, and like he just kind of is. He's the first and fatherless, right? And so the thing that's interesting that'd be cool about him is. If you told a story about him, it could just be him telling stories and having... Cause <laughs> the you problem could te- is if he just told a story, it would all rot. First off, actually, Lin-Manuel Miranda as Tom Bombadil having to bust a rhyme all the time because that's basically how right. Tom Bombadil ran. He would basically well, go like, around singing. Well, like, I... Hey, doll, Mary doll. My picture... Like, in my corny imagination, right, I'm imagining it starts out... Pom, Tom Bombadil, like Puck in the beginning of A Midsummer Night's Dream, right? Puck is giving a very you, good way of like describing giving you Bombadil. this whole thing, right? About giving you this whole thing about here's this here, watch this thing happen, and then it's just point point off camera, fade away, and then here's the story, and then at the end of the story, he comes back, he's like, did you like that? Cool, see you next week. Like you know, like I would love that because you could tell you you haven't you're not locked into a storyline, right? You can just tell ten episodes of mini stories. Yeah. And you can hit anywhere because it's Tom Bombadil, right? And now we're going back to the first age. Right. And now we're going to the fourth age. But, like, how fun would that be? That'd be crazy. And every Tolkien fan everywhere is going to be so upset by it because it won't conform with their own idea of what Tom Bombadil is. No. Because there's no one idea about Tom but it's, Bombadil. But it'd be awesome. But, yeah... I guess I, I stumbled on a good one. Puck from A Midsummer Night's Dream is like a good example. It's a good, but... like, yeah, I like Puck from a because you always get the sense to go into it a little bit deeper that Tom Bombadil knows more than he lets on, but at the same time, he just so doesn't, he's so not involved right. in the process because he's just like, again, first and foremost, so like the guy is a mortal being. He's kind of just like, oh, the ring. This is just a silly little thing. Like, Gandalf's whole thing is, is he wouldn't take it seriously. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I, 
to go back to the business thing, it's like I feel like this is the one, one of the few spots they could have gone into, and have like a easy to tell, consistent story. Yeah. That isn't going to be hard because one of the problems I felt with everyone going, oh, they need to redo this, do the Silmarillion as a movie or a TV show. The Silmarillion would be super bad as a movie, by the it'd be, way. It would be horrible Don't as a that. movie. And as a TV show, one of the biggest problems is there's three main stories in the Silmarillion you could tell. You have the Fall of Gondolin, you have yeah. uh, Baron and Luthien, and then you have the Children of Hurin. Yeah. The problem is, as much as there are a bunch of characters who are recurring in within them, and there's a whole bunch of other things you can tell... You have characters who are super important to the lore who only appear in those stories because the Silmarillion takes place over millennia. Yeah. And you have some of these characters who are human and only live to be 70 years. So they might be important at this one point in time, but then they won't appear again. Meanwhile, all these other characters like Fenor and his children will be appearing throughout the entire saga the thing with Lord of the Rings like you'd have to do an anthology the thing with the Middle Earth lore that you have to realize if you're not if you're not a book reader if you're not like a like a Middle Earth person the thing you have to realize about Middle Earth lore is like most of the time with lore it's all about the details right it's all about like the tiny little minutia it's like uh if you if you're like a Harry Potter fan like it's like whose wand was this and like or what does like it mean? how and every like, character in the Star Wars in the Cantina in Mos Eisley has a name yeah like everything like that right with Lord of the Rings lore it's completely opposite does not exist. you have to back up and like look at the big picture the Silmarillion <laughs> is the story of Greek mythology all of it from a kind of a distant perspective yeah. is the best way to like to describe it. If someone was to describe to you, like not just the Iliad and the Odyssey, like all of it, like everything that ever was written about Greek mythology, yeah. and you needed to have it in a single book form, that was would be the Greek mythology equivalent to the Silmarillion. Like you're you literally jump in, follow like a really important person for like a day, jump away, come back to them like thirty years, come back come back to, in like a hundred years after their impact was done and then like keep going like that's exactly what it happens and it's it's, it's a lot <laughs> yeah like the it's only hard. way you could like like i said there's three stories you could kind of get a series out yeah of one season yeah you might have recurring characters from the other everything else would have to be told as like an anthology <laughs> it would it would kind of work like if anyone's seen slumdog millionaire where <laughs> this is a stretch <laughs> where it's like Slumdog Millionaire where you have you'd have to have like three different versions of the actor and then oh, like <laughs> and so basically you're gonna need to find the Lord of the Rings equivalent of who wants to be a millionaire to frame the story. yeah stories. to frame the story and that is like, Tom Bombadil I think you figured that <laughs> but you know what I mean like it's the only way to do it where you would have to like have an overarching thing to like kind of tell this framework story because you can't just jump from date like that's how much no. time it covers and like Slumdog Millionaire is the perfect example where it does a great job with that movie of like covering about 20 years pretty in depth over the course of like an hour and then and then it catches you back up to modern day where like you spend the last half hour with like the actual story yeah because I think the one advantage to go back to what they're doing with the second age is a lot of the storytelling that's going on is first off the at this time the men of Numenor and women but they always were referred to in the books sure. as men in Numenor, um, have a very long lifespan. So you can have a character exist for 200 years yeah. who's human. 
which wasn't a thing in the Silmarillion. It's a whole other lore aspect that we won't go too deep into. So you have that advantage. You also have the advantage of most of the main protagonists from the story they're going to tell. If it's about the forging of the rings, are going to be elves and dwarves and Sauron. Yeah. And dwarves, again, live hundreds a, of years. And a lot of elves them are immortal. It's, like, Elrond's still there. Yeah. Like, you can still bring Elrond in there. Uh, a lot of, like, Gloim is still in there. Like, there's a lot of characters well, yeah. that you would know. Or who have been referenced, like Durin. Right, Durin's in there. Um, and uh, Galadriel's in there. Right. It's like a lot of a lot of the characters people would most recognize, they're, they're there in the Silmarillion and in the First Age, but they're never like a key figure. Like, and Cate Blanchett is, is down. Yeah. She's down. Um, She's always down. And <laughs> She'll do anything. The So you have the advantage there, because so, since you have the figure, central figures who are more or less mostly immortal at this point, right. you can kind of tell that story over a longer period of time, have it take place over hundreds of years, but you can you still use the same actors. Right. Um, it's, I think it's the one place they could go and one story they could tell that wasn't in the Third Age that ties into the story of the Third Age. Yeah, it's the rings. And that's the rings. Yeah. So it, it makes sense that they're going there. As much as I still would love to see, like, The Hobbit and Lord of the Rings told as a miniseries, this might be the one move Amazon can make that isn't just a rights fiasco. Right. Because it it's simple, it's easy, it's clean. It's simple, easy, it's clean, and, and you don't and have again, to deal it, with it like roughly enough. connects to the films, so yeah. you're good. And you so. don't have to deal with the level of bureaucracy. So it's I'm interested to see how it goes, it plays out, and you know, we'll I'm sure we'll learn more. Yeah, but I'm excited. I'm ready. Yeah, it wasn't until they're like, yeah, welcome to the second age, because when the people were first, when the maps first, because they were tweeting out maps that were getting like small incremental changes, and everyone's like. This is second age, and I'm like, are they really going to go to second age? I don't see it. They have to. And then I like the more I thought about them, I'm like, okay, no, it makes sense. They have to. Yeah, but prequels work. It's they've been proven to work. Yeah, it, it's a safe move. Yeah. Um, because I think the only other thing they could do again, it's to tell, retell Lord of the Rings, and that's yeah. just going to be a mess. But again, like prequels, rings are prequel. Like yeah. rings are the perfect prequel to this whole thing. Yeah. Basically, well, the Hobbit's the perfect prequel, but like whatever, you know what I mean. Basically, we're getting the the seven minute. This is what happened before the uh, Fellowship of the Ring. The little yeah, yeah, yeah. The, prologue. Yeah, like we're basically getting the prologue as a TV show, um, with more depth. Yeah. All right. Let's, we got a throwaway line. We got we got a throwaway line uh, turned into a Star Wars movie with Rogue One. So true. Take what you can <laughs> and yeah. run with it. All right. Let's move on to movies. So, um, if you have any thoughts you want to share about the Oscars, feel free, because I'm sure, based off what, if anyone actually watched me go on for an hour about the Oscars last time, um, the film I didn't want to win that I won. <laughs> you didn't like Green Book? Okay, here's the thing with Green Book. It's the thing I, th- I think I discussed last week, but... I thought it was okay. Just, like, give me the TLDR. Um, the TLDR is, it's okay, it's, but it's... It is, of all the Oscar bait films that got made and released in the past year that were obviously aimed at, this is going to be an Academy Award nominee. Yeah. I'm surprised this is the one that, A, got the nomination. I feel like, honestly, I would have expected to go on the basis of sex, right. which was the one about Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Um, but 
It's fair for it, it, like all Oscar bait films. They're well put together. They're they're good, yeah. but they're not great. No one's going to be watching this in yeah. When they're a doing time. a film theory class in twenty years, no one's going to be showing Green Book. Right. Um, I think they com- are going to be showing Roma, and yes. that's why I was like, Roma should win. I agree with that. But of course, apparently Alfonso Cuarón can only win Best Director and never win Best Picture because this is the second time that's happened where he's right. won Best Director and lost Best Picture. Um, but he won like Best like it was a great night to be Alfonso Cuarón, right? But it, it's still like the elusive Best Picture. Well, I mean, it's a curious thing. I think the thing with uh, the thing with Green Book is like a perfect storm. Yeah, of like great actors. Uh, Maharshala Ali is like super hot right now, so like that that has going for it. It's a fun film. Uh, it's a very like it's enjoyable to watch yeah. as a film. It doesn't um, challenge you, right? It's just kind of brain candy. Yeah, or not not brain candy. I can't not eye candy either. It's just kind of like it's it's safe, right? It's like cotton candy. You just kind yeah. of like sit there and eat it. It's fine. Um, Again, I don't. I think it's very well acted. I think it's again. You have great actors in there. Yeah. I, I think it's an okay written film. I think. I think everything you're saying is right. It's just a perfect storm of like, this is fun. I enjoy this. These are great actors. I like. They're yeah. acting really well. Cool. There's a good chemistry between him and Viggo Mortensen. It's it's one right? of those like, movies that is like you watch it and you're like, this is totally aimed at the voting audience, right. and it succeeded because of that. But then we go into my always corollary thing about Oscars is it's like prom. Right. No one's going to care in five years who won yeah. prom this year. Um, so Unless you're trying to get a job and you can put that on your resume. Good job, yeah. people. Way to go. Um, the only other bit of Oscar follow-up is uh, have you heard anything about what Spielberg was pushing on? The, were yeah, pushing the Netflix the thing. With Netflix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you aren't aware, uh, Steven Spielberg basically is pushing to say that streaming films should not qualify for the Oscars. I think he's scared. I think I kind of first off, I kind of get it from the perspective of films that are going to be nominated. There's there's a kind of a general rule which is prior like the year they're going to be nominated for. And you see it with films like I know um I know other films have done this this past year, but the big one I think most people will recognize is American Sniper. What you do is it needs to play in theaters in the New York, L.A., and I think Toronto mm-hmm. in the year it's nominated for. And so the year it's nominated for isn't, even though we call it the 2019 Oscars, all the films that got nominated... It's a year previously. It's a year previous. So it was all films that had been released in 2018. So what you will do is you will do a limited release in L.A. and New York... Um, in November, December, and then you do a wide release in January. The reason for that is you have all the marketing push that you're doing for the Oscars can also be the marketing push for the film itself. And since it's getting a bunch of rewards buzz, it could also lead to a greater attendance gross, and yeah. it makes sense to do it that way. Um, Netflix really played that game, but instead of doing the whole oh, hey, we're going to release it in New York, L.A., Toronto, and then it'll go wide into theaters. They did New York, L.A., Toronto, and they released it wide onto streaming. So they bypassed like, most of the major yeah. the- uh, theaters. And I think, I, personally, I think the National Association of Theater Owners needs to rethink, especially with indie films, their 90-day embargo 
for video on demand streaming and uh, digital or basically right home video. I think they need to rethink that because that it for a lot of independent films. They don't have the marketing budget to do both a theatrical release and a home release. They can only do one. So anymore, they're making more money on the home video. They just would like to have it in theaters. So they're lo- like they're basically long-term kind of shooting themselves in the foot. Right. I think they need to change it to where it needs to be shorter for certain films. But in terms of oh, being in terms of being uh, nominated or being eligible for award season. I think that's dumb. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that shows a lot of fear. Yeah, I don't think Netflix should be banned. I don't think Amazon should be banned. I could, I think, if anything, the Academy should pressure the National Association of Theater Owners to be like, hey, for some of these films, you need to allow the window to be shorter. Like, we're not saying do it for Star Wars. Yes, Star Wars should be in theaters for 90 days before it gets home video. But Roma, probably not. Right. And... Um, the reason Alfonso Cuaron wanted Roma to be with Netflix, the reason he ultimately went with them, is his argument was, I knew I could eat, that he's like, I know this can go into any distributor will pick it up and push it for Oscars. It's like his concern wasn't the Oscars or it the theater. It. it was people seeing it. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going where the audience is. So it's, I think Spielberg is being a little short-sighted the same way I think the system kind of needs to update and adjust. Steven Spielberg's getting old, people, and he's showing it. Yeah, it's like I can see there being like a rule stating that there needs to be a window, kind of like how the theaters have a window yeah. with National Association of Theater Owners has the 90 day window. Have it be a 30 day window where it can't be on streaming. But I think Netflix only had it in theaters for like 15 days exclusive for Roma. Like I can see there being a rule about that sure. because, you know, part of the craft is in the exhibition of it. So, yeah, there should be something like that. But that doesn't mean you carpet, uh, yeah. walk out. Yeah. Uh, all the stuff you're mentioning is all business-related stuff yeah. and stuff that doesn't, like, for his argument, no, his argument does not make sense. Yes. So, so yeah, no, it's just another one of the scenes. But I think the final thing, and this is something you want to talk about, is originally we were going to try to talk about Captain Marvel. We but can talk about it a little bit. I haven't seen it you yet. You haven't seen it yet. So I'm thinking maybe... Um, so, for, here, first... Let me ask you, did you like it? Yes! I liked it, it. I enjoyed it. Is it So I've heard that it's the best Marvel origin film since Iron Man 1. Thoughts on that statement? I haven't thought about that. I think Counterpoint would be Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. I think might be a stronger one. Okay. But it's in that vein. But it's, yeah, I can. I will buy like that it, argument. Like, it, I will, like it's a step above Thor one, Captain America one. Obviously, yeah. It's a step above uh, maybe Doctor Strange, Black Panther. Mm. It, it's. I think here's is it here's in the, the Strange camp. Here's the the problem. I think with that is oh, that argument is Marvel films have been very consistent. Yes. Like they have a formula and they oh, know yeah. how to use it to where this. This works in that vein to right. where I'm having a harder time ranking the Marvel movies. Right. We should do that one day because I, I have what's – your, what's your number one? Because my number one hasn't changed in a long time and I don't see it changing anytime soon. I think I think it's probably still Winter Soldier. Yeah. See, there's yeah, no way. It's like, like there's I, no – nothing touches that movie. It's – like Captain Marvel's fun. It's it's a Marvel movie. It's okay. like it delivers on your expectations. So like, yeah. I, 
you know, for anyone that doesn't know, I'm a huge Captain Marvel fan. I have been for a, a very long time. I think Logan's only exposure to Captain Marvel comics and like Carol Danvers comics has been me forcing him to read these. So you haven't really had well, much. True. You haven't had much exposure to the character. No. Unless I've made you read comics about her. Yep. Like, did this? Obviously, when you went in with an idea because I've made you read like, comics. Like, I knew, I knew, right? like the basics of the backstory with Marvel. Yeah, and, and you, you know her like kind of. She's kind of a little brash and a little kind of yeah fiery, right? Like, yeah. so what did were you satisfied? Kind of knowing a little bit about the character, or like not knowing character at all, like walking in there and being like, "I, she's fun." I was satisfied. She was fun. Okay, fantastic. Um, so. I enjoyed it. Uh, don't really want to go too deep into oh, of all of the bullshit going on around with yeah, the Yeah, I'm not going to touch score. that because that's dumb. Because it, it's fucking dumb. I already bitched about it last episode. <laughs> um, my thoughts and opinions are on stuff like this are going to be in written form at some point. Right. And the thing I will say is like, hey, if you don't like Captain Marvel, that doesn't make you a... a a white supremacist and like it doesn't make you a bad person if you don't like the movie please be a please be willing to admit that like this is if you don't like it be like i don't like captain marvel and here are my reasons why don't be like i don't like captain marvel because brie larson doesn't like white men like don't do shit like that that's not cool but if you don't like the movie generally be honest like that you don't like the movie there's a different it's a problem i think we've been like i think this is a problem the community in terms of just geekdom has been having for a while where there is a difference between objective criticism and you being an asshole. Right. And people thinking that them being an asshole is objective criticism, and it's not. And Also, if you really love the movie, that doesn't mean you're forced to be a feminist. You can have whatever yeah, opinion you want, like, but this is just a movie that you can either like or don't like. Don't, yeah, don't be, you're not a shill if you like the right. movie. It's like, these people, like, these people who make these arguments, these people who go around and review bomb a movie, I, I've gotten to the point with them where I feel like there isn't a bridge high enough for them to jump off of or a dildo big enough for them to sit on. And to be totally honest, kink shaming is wrong. Don't do it. If you like doing stuff with a dildo in your butt, that's fine. It's just these people, the only thing they if should you're ever doing fuck it, just, is themselves. Just if you're doing it... <laughs> Pro fact, make sure that you're using one of the flared bass so it doesn't get lost. Also use lube. <laughs> Just saying. I've, I but, have a lot of friends that are doctors and they tell me stories and it's horrible. Just yeah, use no, flared bass, people. Yeah, basically, it's kind of how I'm getting to with this, this group. Because there is a group and they're doing yeah. it with... A bunch of different things, and I've kind of just hit the point where I just want to tell them all to go fuck themselves. Right. I did. I posted. I posted this on Twitter a couple of days ago too, uh, or actually yesterday. Uh, so I, again, big Captain Marvel fan. The happiest thing about me is like, so Carol Danvers and Captain Marvel kind of been in the shadows a little bit as a character for a long time, and so it was very hard to find merch. Now there's a ton of merch. I have a lot of it. I spent way too much money, whatever. But I have a three-year-old daughter, so like it's it's super pumped. I'm super excited about it. And so I got her a Captain Marvel jacket. That's awesome. It's by her universe. Her universe makes all yeah. of the female merch. For um, it's stuff. Ashley Eckstein, the who voices Ahsoka, right? So from Star Wars, it's, a, it's a great company. They make amazing stuff. Um, now that I have a daughter, she has a ton of that stuff. It's real bad. 
I have a problem. It's fine. No, you don't. I've seen the pictures. You don't have a problem. <laughs> she looks amazing. In so, this so she loves the jacket. She loves superheroes. So, like, uh, I have a Spider-Man costume that I wear. So, anytime she sees Spider-Man, she goes, Daddy, and she points at it. And she, like, points to me. And so, it's great. It's really cool. She thinks I'm Spider-Man. It's awesome. I'm not going to tell her she's wrong. That's fine. But, uh, so she wears that Captain Marvel jacket, and she demands that she wears it all the time, which Wait, is great. Are you saying you're not Spider-Man? I could be. All this time. I thought you were Spider-Man, and you're 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 literally challenging could, my understanding could, of the universe. I could, I could be. <laughs> so so the thing is that she wears that jacket all the time, and now she stops at every Captain Marvel poster, points at her jacket, says "me," and points to the poster. That is right? awesome. And it and it and it's it's gotten me like emotional, and it's like a very much a thing of like growing up as a guy. I never really had a problem with that, and like you probably never even too. No, just like. Uh, you're gonna run out and play Batman with your friends, yeah, and like it's whatever, right? You just connect with these characters. To go way back to when we were doing Blue Post, Kelly yeah. made a comment about Ray, yeah, about how great it was to have because to have a Jedi character, right? That was a woman because right. she didn't have that, right? And it's something that it's great. Like there was a LA Times. I read it this morning. They at least I think it was LA Times, but where someone wrote about taking their two-year-old daughter to go see Captain Marvel. Right. And she was, like, not sure whether or not it landed with her daughter until she brought up a comment, what happens when you fall, what happens when Captain Marvel falls, and the girl was like, she gets up. Right. And it's just like, which is, spoiler, something in the movie. Right. Um, But, and like it's... It's something that's really cool, and, like, something that uh, I'm really, I'm, like, debating with, because Samantha doesn't really sit still. Like, she has a problem sitting still. And, like, when she loves Christmas. So, uh, we watched, this year we watched The Grinch and we watched Frosty the Snowman. And she sat through both of them. She cried during Frosty the Snowman, by the way. Because I completely forgot. Spoilers, if you go back and watch Frosty the Snowman, that old original one, that movie's sad as hell. Yeah, because he leaves. No, he fucking melts. Yeah, he, he leaves. He, he melts. <laughs> he melts and he leaves and he kidnaps a girl or the girl comes with him and she almost dies and like that movie's dark. <laughs> don't watch don't show that movie to kids. So my daughter like freaked out and didn't want to watch movies anymore. But the point is that she has problems sitting still. And so I'm debating on like how to take her to a movie and like take her I might take her to like an early morning show on a weekday. Yeah. Um where you can easily leave. Right, where I can easily leave if And you're not disrupting the Right, if people. it's a problem. Um and so I do want to take her to her first film and have that be Captain Marvel. And so having having an experience like that with her uh, and with us and with a character that I love so much, right? And with a character that means so much to me and having her connect with it has been like a really special thing. So like, that's really cool. I love it. Yeah. So um, basically viewers, all two of you, I'm assuming there's two Lo- at this moment. J- James, how many? Zero. Hey. hey! Um, new highs, new lows. <laughs> uh, next episode, let's after you've actually watched Captain America, let's Captain Marvel. Captain, Captain Marvel. Yes. Let's talk about the movie itself. Speaking of badass women, though, go. This is the next thing. Oh, the next thing. Yes. Segways. Segway. Um, <laughs> Alita Battle Angel. I know. You... I think we're on two different sides of the coin on this one. <laughs> actually, I think you think we're on two separate sides of the coin but we're not really i'm not uh, but you you go first (laughs) i loved it i think it's amazing i think like again i'm a little maybe a little biased because i've read the manga and so i had i going in i had very high expectations um 
or maybe low expectations. Well, I had high expectations because I I know Robert Rodriguez and I know yeah. like the I know his style of film and it fits so perfectly with what Alita is as a character and what that manga is. And so I was excited to see it. Um and so yeah, I walked out of that theater like very much like pumped up to like see it again or see something. Like it was something it was visually stunning. Uh they got the story beats right. Uh there's one major problem that I know people have with it and maybe we'll get into it. I'm not sure what your problem with it was or what your what your like uh shortcoming maybe with it, <laughs> but like the I know there's one issue that a lot of people keep bringing up and like I had no problem with it but continue what, what, Yeah, so I guess my thing is is I I did enjoy it. Right. But and this is entirely something that I've put in the mark of this is a personal thing for me, not a detriment of the film. Right. Um where you grew up reading manga, right. watching anime, and I didn't. Right. And there's some aspects in when manga and anime does science fiction that because it's not what I grew up in, right. I just find a little off. Right. And that's how I felt about some like mainly around the murder bo- murder ball stuff. Okay. Where it, it's just something that I I don't mind it when like, science fiction has like it's a very it's a very, very Final violent. Fantasy thing. It's a very yeah. like it's like I don't have a problem with like violence in future sports. Like I think if you're gonna have a future dystopia, you're gonna have some form of gladiator game. Sure, but whenever it's always like, but it's gonna be on rollerblades and all that stuff. A part of me is like, okay, you're doing this to right, be cool, and that was really the only thing I had took issue with, right? Because I like the fact that. It this had like hints of dystopia, but wasn't afraid to be bright and colorful. Right. And I like Robert Rodriguez's work, and I could see him in the film, right. and I enjoyed it. But I had the same, I wasn't like, oh my god, I love it. Right. But I think a lot of the reasons where I was like, oh, I, oh my god, I don't love it is because of me, not the film. Right. And it's, I don't think a lot of people have the objectivity to say that their issues they have with the film are entirely no, I think personal I think preference. I think that's valid. And that's how I felt about the film. It's like I wrote my little short review on it. My comment was, if you love manga science fiction, you're going to love this movie. Yeah. If you don't love manga science fiction, you're going to... You might not. Right. I enjoyed it for what it was. Right. I thought it was a really... It was fun. Yeah. I want to go read the manga now. Right. I'm a, I'm down to watch a sequel if it ever gets made. Right. Which is basically up to the international box office. <laughs> go team go. But I'm surprised it didn't do better here cuz it seems like it seemed I think the marketing was off on this film. I think the marketing was a bit off on it, but it's I think the problem to get again really just deep into the business side of things, the domestic market has a level of saturation now in terms of competition for eyeballs. Sure. That didn't exist 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Like, I watched this and I was like, man, I could totally see this movie being, like, you couldn't do some of the things they did, but I could totally see this being, like, an 80s movie. Yeah. Definitely. Totally could see it. Yeah. And I was just like, man, too bad it's coming out now. Right. Where, because it's not an established franchise and it looks really like this is aimed at an international audience. Right. And it's just harder to sell this type of item big budget crazy special effects sci-fi it's just harder in this market to do it right to sell it and i i think that 
that's really ultimately not a downfall. It's, like, the fact that this hasn't crossed, I think, $100 million domestic yet isn't a sign that the film is bad. No. I'm, I'm a little surprised that it hasn't done a little better. But yeah. So the thing – the issue that a lot of people had with it that in my opinion is the – is a problem that a lot of – when you're doing adaptations, a lot of adaptations do wrong in my opinion is they take like here's the story of a manga and they try to condense it down into two hours. Right, and they just squeeze everything in, it and they pull out what they what they don't like. They pull out things just to make it like a through line. Well, that's right adaptation in general. Yeah. Right, but what Robert Rodriguez did here, which is wonderful, and I love, and I know a lot of people felt like it was disjointed. Like I, I heard the word disjointed a lot in a lot of reviews and a lot of feedback. It was that the movie has chapters. It has a manga format where they he didn't just take four chapters of the manga and squeeze them together and pull stuff out. He literally took each chapter, condensed it down into bite-sized chunks. So you can tell there's parts of the film where they, they're it like fades out and fades back in of like, here's a new chapter. Here's a new day. Right. So like, uh, the first chapter is, her, is him, her finding out that he's a battle or that the, the doctor's a battle, uh, whatever, a hunter, whatever. Right. So like, that's the first chapter and then the fight in the street right the fight that they have in the street with the the, the thugs yeah right where she kills the first two um like that's one chapter that that like that's where the first chapter of the manga ends right so that's like one like beat and then like it has like a it has a very it has a build up a climax and an end and then it goes and it fades out and then it goes to the next day and the next day is her i think learning murder ball and then going yeah. to like uh i think that's when she finds the the suit or no that's when she starts to oh she she becomes a battle warrior right? yeah that, then okay then it has a climax and then the end right it falls then they do the thing of the thing of where she fights or she finds the suit and then he won't put her in it and then he she goes to the bar right she goes to the bar and then loses the fight and then gets put in the new body right that's the climax in the end then you go to the final bit where it's like the murder ball thing the murder stuff happens and then she goes to fight the main yeah, boss and then goes and then falls back down and then that's the end of it, right? Like there's full on chapters in this movie that you, if if this was a normal film or a normal like adaptation, they would just take out a lot of those like smaller moments and then just let it run the through line from her to Marshall Ali, right? Like yeah. there, there's like there's the clear line. Right where this really wasn't that clear line. She had different beats throughout the film. Yeah, like I, while watching it, never would have gone with disjointed. Right, personally, but um, I've heard that a lot in a lot of reviews. Yeah, and I could see how you could see it that way, but it's so different than usually. My what only get. criticism I would have had about the characters was the fact that the relationship between uh, Hugo and Alita. Wasn't explored a little more. Wasn't it? Just was like it's something that I feel like you can't really do anymore. Like if this had been again, where I'm like, this is kind of like an '80s movie. Yeah. If this had been an '80s movie, no one would have been like, oh, the characters are almost like instantly a thing. Yeah, wouldn't have been a problem. But we, as an audience, I think we're now more attuned to a bit more of a development right. of those aspects of a character. I think there was enough enough there. It, there was enough there to where I was like. I could see, like, I figured that would be most people's criticism. And I'm like, you know what? I can see that criticism, but at the same time, there wasn't, like, 
space for it in the movie to be like, let's really... Yeah, and I think they did a good job. Yeah. They, they did what they could have, like, okay, hey, they had him bond... They had him, like, him show around the city, yeah. and then they, he taught her how to play motorball, or murderball, and then they had him play... Or they took they went on the, the, the scavenging trip or whatever, right? Like, you would imagine that all that stuff kind of happens... And then, like, and then they have the the kind of moment where I think they kiss and stuff like that, and then they go yeah. from there, right? I think it goes like there's there's enough there before they're a, like an actual thing. Yeah, before there's enough I'm there like, built up, but like they didn't just go instantly into relationship right. mode. It's not, but, it's like, not it Anakin, basically was it's like, not Anakin it's not and Padme. Okay, <laughs> but it's like you could tell like from get go that this was like oh that this is going to be the yeah, and they didn't necessarily feel any to, need to, to me, the put big, obstacles up or to me Anakin Padme is the big one of like come on I haven't <laughs> felt this way in years master <laughs> or whatever or it's like uh, I haven't seen her in years it starts the movie with that yeah I haven't seen it her in years it starts the movie like, with oh, that oh god and then and then they literally go from nothing to, to like, oh my god I can't be around <laughs> you because you're so intoxicating uh, did you see where someone had done as a side note, on Star Wars again, where someone had taken the voice lines that they'd recorded for Battlefront 2 because they used all the Clone Wars actors. Right. They didn't use right. um, Ewan McGregor or Hayden Christensen, so they use uh, like D. Bradley Baker does the clones, yeah. like Matthew Lanter did Anakin and so on and so forth. They took the... Because they had lines from the movies that these yeah. characters voiced. Someone took... The readings from Battlefront Two of like Matthew Lent doing the sand line, yeah. and put that in over Episode Two, <laughs> and it's wonderfully hilarious yeah. because his reading on it is just like totally not the same as right. Anne Christensen. It's so funny, uh, but you know I enjoyed Alita. Yeah, uh, and I think a lot of it too because you were like, so you. It seemed like I ran into like this multiple times in the lead up to um not seeing this one but like just recently in the lead up to us recording this episode of people discussing the value of critic ratings on Rotten Tomatoes right. versus attendance ratings on Rotten Tomatoes right and you were like well look critics it was like what 60 something percent critics yeah. 90% something yeah. audience and i think i think one of the problems people have is they try to treat Rotten Tomatoes as if it is this definitive like gospel. Yeah. gospel of whether or not a movie is good or not. Yeah. And I think the problem is when a critic, or at least I think most critics are writing about a movie, they're not writing about it to give you a viewpoint on whether or not you should see the movie. They are writing about the value of the film itself. Right. And like and it's, a lot of it's technical too. A lot yeah, of it's on tech. And if you're going through, I think someone's uh, piece of critique on a film to try to determine whether or not you want to see it, I think you're misinterpreting the value of criticism. Right. Like, and I would say, and this goes for games too. This goes for anything that's that has reviews, and especially people that write reviews. Find someone that has similar tastes to you. Yeah, like really, really look through and research. Like I have a list of game reviewers and movie reviewers of like, hey, they have similar tastes to mine, and they think similar to me. And I'm going to weight their opinions a little more because I know, like. I'm going to spend two hours. I'm going to spend $60 on a game. I'm going to spend $15 going to the yeah. movie theater. Like, if I want to invest this amount of time... Is it worth my time and money? Is it worth my time and money? Is really the value of the review rather than 
is it a good movie or not? Yeah, and this is something that I I had been thinking about, again, but never even, even then it's not an end all be all. I don't want that to be like look at a review of someone that you like and if they don't like it, don't go see and it. And this is something I wish I'd thought about more because I'd started writing my little short movie reviews right. like over a year ago. Um and I th- I feel like this was my approach, and it has been my approach from the beginning, but I never really, like, thought out how to explain this approach until, like, we started having this conversation. Or I, not we started having this conversation, but I started seeing this conversation more right. online. And that is, if you think you want to go see a movie, go see the movie because yeah. you want to. Yeah. Don't worry about what other people think about it. Right. If you're not sure whether or not you are going to go see this movie. That's when it is worth seeing what other people think. Right. And I know I've been doing this with my reviews. It's less of a whether or not the movie is good because I have given a movie a thumbs down and then it'll turn around and give a different movie a thumbs up and you're like, wait, you think this other movie is better than the other? Yeah. And the answer is like, no, but I don't think this film succeeded on what it was trying to do. Right. Like, so what... I'm saying is for mine, what I'm trying to do is if you aren't sure whether or not you wanted to see Alita Battle Angel, but you were like, I kind of want to go see it, but I, I'm not sure. Is it worth my ticket? Right. I want my review to be the idea of is it worth my ticket price based off what the movie is like the movie as its own thing, not when compared to other things. Yes or no. Right. Which is why I would give something I really, like I tell you give reviews the thing of like pushing me over the edge if I'm sitting yeah. on the fence, right? Like, that's really what it is. Which is one of the reasons why, if you were thinking about seeing, and I'll give you an example of a movie I gave a thumbs up to, it was, uh, oh, why am I blanking on the name now? Happy Time Murders. Okay. I gave Happy Time Murders a thumbs up. Sure. Because if you are wanting to see a movie about puppets that is raunchy, R-rated, and absolutely ridiculous, that's what the movie is. Right. And I felt it succeeded doing that. Right doesn't necessarily mean I think it's a better movie than A Star is Born, even though I give A Star is Born a thumbs down. Right. Like, if you were interested in seeing Happy Time Murders, you shouldn't have been necessarily looking at the critics' score. Right. Like... You know what movie you're going into. Yeah. That's the, that's the thing of, like, being aware of what movie you're going into is a thing important. And judging the movie based off of that, based right. off the merits of what but it again, is, rather than... going back to the same thing we went over with Captain Marvel, feel free to have your opinion. If you mm-hmm. like a movie... Dude, shout it from the rooftops. Like, you like that movie. It's not it's not any indictment on you or your opinions or your taste that you like a movie and that's, that's quote-unquote bad. Yeah. Right? Like, dude, one of my favorite movies of all time is Kung Fui. Do you know Kung Fui? No. It's a parody film that was made in the early 2000s, so it's really bad. It's one of those scary movie-esque parody films, but it's, all, it's based around Kung Fu movie tropes, and it's super racist. It's really bad humor. It's hilarious to my sensibilities and taste because it's full of puns and like jokes that I get and are funny. It's a terrible movie, and I know it's a terrible movie, but I enjoy it and I like that movie. Go watch Kung Fu. I think it's on YouTube for free. Yeah, it's. That's how little that movie sold, by the way. It's on YouTube for free. <laughs> yeah, I... it's in the Jim Cotta camp. No, it's like how one of my favorite movies of all time is Monty Python's Life of Brian. Yeah. And which arguably is the worst of the Monty Python films. Oh no no no, it's the best of the Monty Python. <laughs> but from a craftsmanship perspective, all of the Monty Python films from a craftsmanship perspective are not great. <laughs> but from That's like a, a comedy it. perspective, sure. 
They're wonderful. Absolutely. I'm never going to say, oh, you should watch Life of Brian for its cinematography. If you watch Life of Brian for its cinematography, that is like a textbook case of, hey, don't do that. Yeah. I mean, dude, I still, I quote the Black Knight almost on a daily basis. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where sometimes, like, it's like the whole thing. One of the best films ever made is, um... Citizen Kane. Kane. I haven't watched it in probably a decade. It's hard to watch. Yeah. I probably should watch it again just so I'm like, if I'm referencing it, I'm like a little more up to date. But it isn't a movie you really want to watch. No. It's it's not the It's a movie you watch to learn. You don't watch to enjoy. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a hard, it's a slow burn. It, it's the whole thing, like uh, Roger. E- I love this Roger Ebert quote, and it's from the I think it's it's either the Casablanca commentary he did or the Citizen King commentary he did. He's like, if anyone asks me what the best movie of all, greatest movie of all time is, unquestionably, the answer is Citizen Kane. If anyone asks me what I want to watch, it's Casablanca. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, and there's nothing wrong with that. And I think that's something people need to be a little more willing to do in their own movie watching is don't be ashamed of the thing you like. Yeah, absolutely. Or don't be afraid to give a movie a shot if you want to see it. Don't necessarily be bound by someone else's idea of what it is. And enjoy it for what it is. And I think I think one of the problems we're having right now is people are trying to... It's the it's the hive mindset. Don't, yeah. don't fall in the hive mindset. Go watch Kung Fu on YouTube. Get back to me. If you don't love it, I hate you. <laughs> and you're wrong. <laughs> but I think that's I think that's it. I yeah. think that's our our episode. Uh, feel free to like, subscribe, share, leave a comment, do all the things you're supposed to do. You can find Chris on Twitter at Kid Liquid. You can find me on Twitter at Studelmeyer. You can always I don't know take part, join the conversation, or not continue to not. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tweet out the link to Kung Fu right now. So go go ahead. <laughs> so for all the Kung Fu news you ever could want, Chris's Twitter is right on that. <laughs> other than that, I think we are gonna call it a day, and we will see you guys in two weeks.